the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, ending 50 years of federal abortion rights. This is the Florida Roundup from WLRN Public Media in Miami and WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville. I'm Melissa Ross. Tom Hudson is off this week. And this hour, in a stunning reversal, the high court has ended the constitutional right to end a pregnancy. It's been the law of the land since 1973. What does this mean for abortion access in Florida? The procedure is legal here, but only until 15 weeks of pregnancy. A closer look at the Supreme Court abortion decision, the impact in the Sunshine State. It's all coming up with your phone calls. Join us at 305-995-1800 here on the Florida Roundup after the news. Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com. Welcome to the Florida Roundup, and thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross. My co-host Tom Hudson is off this week. And a bombshell announcement. In a 6-3 to three decision, the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, ending 50 years of federal abortion rights in the United States. Roe was first enacted in 1973, and it guaranteed the right to end a pregnancy in the first two trimesters. Now, the High Court's controversial but expected ruling gives individual states the power to set their own abortion laws. Almost half the states are expected to now outlaw or severely restrict abortion as a result of the Supreme Court decision that came down earlier this morning. Other states, meanwhile, say they'll strengthen and codify abortion rights. At this hour, abortion rights groups are expressing outrage, saying reproductive freedom is key to women's equality and independence. Here in Florida, abortion is legal, but in a recent change in the law, only up until the 15th week of pregnancy. With more on this announcement, we're pleased to welcome Laura Goodhue, Executive Director of the Florida Alliance of Planned Parenthood Affiliates. Laura, thanks for being with us here on the Florida Roundup. Thanks for having me. And Florida, weigh in. What's your reaction to the decision this morning from the Supreme Court? Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Give us a call. 305-995-1800, wherever you are in the state. Already getting your tweets. We'll get to those in a little bit. Tweet us at Florida Roundup. Laura, Planned Parenthood has issued a statement saying that abortion is health care and that women, pregnant people, deserve to control their body and their future and that you will not back down in this fight. Your reaction to this ruling? No, that's exactly right. I walked into our West Palm Beach Health Center this morning to greet our, our manager who was in tears. We're serving patients today. Um, there, Florida is um, today. You can access abortion, um, but we may not be able to tomorrow. So we're just serving as many patients as possible. Unfortunately, the 
the DeSantis administration um, is, seems hell-bent on passing abortion restrictions and restricting our bodily autonomy, which is central to our freedoms as Floridians and as Americans. And so um, we will be working to um, make sure that the Florida legislature doesn't pass any further abortion restrictions because we have to be there for our patients. Abortion is legal in Florida, but only now up to 15 weeks of pregnancy. Uh, the uh, access to the procedure has been somewhat limited in recent years. Um, let me ask you as well. So uh, this is, yeah. go, go ahead. I was going to say that law would take effect on July 1st. Uh, Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. as well as other independent providers, have sued in state court because Florida. Oh, that's has right. Yes. A, Thank you for clarifying that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So while so while that is being litigated, um, we do expect the landscape for people seeking abortions in Florida to change. This is a Republican-leaning state, but at the same time, we have one of the nation's highest rates of abortion. Florida is the third most populous state. Uh, for decades, it has protected the right to the procedure, not only through Roe v. Wade, but also through a privacy amendment in the state constitution. And so Florida has become a state, hasn't it, uh, where people travel here to undergo the procedure, uh, including thousands of women who live outside this state, typically from other states around the south, the southeast. Can you talk about that? No, that's right. I think a Planned Parenthood health center is in particular in Tallahassee and Jacksonville. They see patients from as far away as Texas where they've virtually banned abortion already. Well, of course, I guess they have everywhere today, um, Oklahoma and Georgia. Um, we expect to see even more um, because of the surrounding states have already passed extreme abortion restrictions. But with this ruling, uh, we expect to see many more people from other states. The sad reality is that people will need abortion no matter what. Um, and it's, uh, you know, uh, people of color, uh, LGBTQ+, plus, young people, people of low income that will not be able to travel to another sta- state to get that care. Uh, they may not have the time off work or school or money to travel. And so people will always need abortions. They just may not be able to access them in the safest manner possible. A Gallup poll finds 80% of the American public believes abortion should remain legal. Here in Florida, a poll conducted at UNF's Public Opinion Research Lab finds 60% of registered voters in Florida oppose even the pending restriction of abortion to 15 weeks, much less an all-out ban. Uh, and so the the justices uh, have said that they don't make decisions based on what's popular or politically expedient. That said, this is a very unpopular decision, according to polling. We are talking now statewide live here on the Florida Roundup about the stunning reversal to abortion rights in America. The Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. We're speaking with Laura Goodhue of Planned Parenthood, and we want your calls. Let's go to your calls. Wherever you are in Florida, we want to hear from you. 305-995-1800. Patty holding in Fort Pierce. Hi, Patty. Hello. 
Um, I have a concern because so much of the public outcry against abortion comes out of religious groups. And here we have a Supreme Court where six of the nine justices are of a particular religious sect, being Catholics. How much is religion now influencing the court? Patty, thanks for that question. Uh, Laura, in the ruling, the justices don't cite religion. They do say they believe, uh, and Samuel Alito, uh, writing the majority opinion, that they believed that Roe v. Wade was improperly decided because abortion isn't a right guaranteed in the Constitution. Your thoughts? Yeah, so it's important to note that Florida has an express right to privacy in our state constitution. It says that uh, government shall not intrude in our personal private decisions. And what could be more private than what we do with our bodies? You know, people that are pregnant um, face a lot of decisions, and one in four women will have an abortion in her lifetime. And this should be left between doctors and their patients. You know, people that survive rape or incest, um, they shouldn't have to go to their elected fish to ask for permission to get an abortion. Someone with a very wanted pregnancy where something may go terribly wrong, a medical emergency, you know, shouldn't have to go to Governor Ron DeSantis to ask his permission to get an abortion. And I do think that our Florida legislators are swayed by, by you know, their own moral convictions and religion because that's what they say when they're debating these bills all last session, talking about the 15-week ban instead of addressing the real crisis that we have in our state with our housing crisis, with public education, with a lack of teachers, and with a health care shortage. Instead, they decided to focus on banning our reproductive freedom and taking away our rights. What's your response to those? And they are a minority of Americans, but they have deeply held feelings and opinions about this. Those who like the decision, they believe it's the morally correct decision. I think that if uh, they believe that abortion is wrong, they should not have one, but they should not they should not impose their opinions and their will on others. And we are talking about our freedom to decide what we do with our lives. You know, we have had Roe v. Wade as the constitutional right for 49 years. There is a whole young generation that uh, will not will not know what it's like not to have the constitutional right uh, to be free from government interference in our pregnancy decisions and will now be subject to that. So I would say that, you know, these are moral convictions and they simply should not have abortions. Um, but they that politicians should not be deciding what we do with our bodies, and that should be left between uh, pregnant people and their doctors. It's 305-995-1800. Mary in Fort Lauderdale. Hello, Mary. Hi. Thank you for having me on this afternoon. Sure. And go ahead. So, you know, it it was hard enough watching the January 6th commission hearing meetings yesterday and in the other hearings. And to contemplate the involvement of, say, Jenny Thomas talking with her husband, and then to wake up this morning and to see that this right was reversed is more than most women can bear. It is up to us to get out and vote. We are 50% of the population. We need to be represented. Actually, more it's fairly. more than 50. It's actually more than 50%, but go ahead. Absolutely. We need to be represented more fairly in our state legislatures, in our Congress, and on the Supreme Court. And otherwise, it's a travesty because men are making decisions for what is in my body, my body, my choice. 
Mary, thanks for calling in. Laura Goodhue, uh, you're in the business of providing health care, but this is a political matter. Will your organization come out in support of, for example, Supreme Court expansion or some of the other uh, rallying cries that are now being heard across the country in the wake of this decision? I can tell you, I head up the advocacy arm in Florida uh, and represent the interests of our 20 health centers where we provide um, life-saving cancer screenings, birth control, and abortion care. And we're proud to do that. But I can tell you that uh, we will be fighting in the Florida legislature against the Ron DeSantis administration's efforts to restrict access to reproductive health care. We've been doing that for a number of years, and we'll continue to do that. You know, we have an important election uh, coming up. We have uh, the chance to take back the Florida Senate if we can elect pro-reproductive health care champions, we may just have a shot. Troy, holding in Tallahassee. Hi, Troy. Go ahead, Troy. Much bigger. Um, I'm not for abortion, but this is much bigger than that. We are built on a democracy, which... All right. Go ahead, Troy. You're, You're back. Go ahead. You have 80% of the people saying they want to be able to have abortion, but 20% says that it shouldn't be. So my question is, in 20 years, if we have more people that lean towards abortion on the Supreme Court, so do they overturn what they just overturned? Do we keep on just overturning, overturning, overturning? Well, Troy, yeah, I mean, that is kind of how it works. Uh, You know, when Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973, almost 50 years ago, conservatives began a strategic and comprehensive campaign that has lasted decades to reverse that ruling. And they've done it through organizations such as the Federalist Society, for example, building a pipeline of very conservative justices that could be funneled up to the Supreme Court. And, you know, Laura Goodhue, he brings up another point, whether it's this ruling on abortion, another one that came down this week on guns, uh, the rulings from this very conservative court are not in step, we need to note, with the majority of Americans. No, that's absolutely right. It's also dangerous decisions that they're making. They're putting people's lives at stake. People will continue to access care. It just may not be in the safest way possible. Our health centers right now are full of people that need access to timely care. Um, It's not popular. Uh, We've seen that in Florida. We've seen that across the country. And again, you know, people may not know what's at stake until their rights are actually taken away. There's a lot of abortion stigma. And, you know, that's when uh, people feel shame or judgment for the decisions that they make. But when one in four women has an abortion, Um, we should feel free to talk about this, right? And that's why they're able to pass these laws. That's why these justices are able to get away with this, because there is so much judgment on women making these decisions for themselves. George in Boca Raton. Hi, George. Hey. Go ahead, George. All right. Okay. Uh, The the issue, as I see it, is um, one where it's when does life begin, the moment of conception, or the moment of birth, with this decision, hopefully, people will start using, you know, not use abortion as a as birth control, but use, you know, birth control as birth control. 
abortion should only be used when it's absolutely necessary. And it's harmful for women to use the past birth control. So this is going to have some health benefits. Why do you, why do you think it's harmful for women to use it that way? Uh, because it, 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 it's, um, the body's not meant to abort a baby. The body is not, you know, when you when you uh, have an abortion, you scrape, you scrape the uh, uterus to have the um, the uh, embryo removed. It it's it can be damaging. I'm going to let Laura sorry, follow up on medical. that claim. Go ahead, Laura. I'm sorry. Medical professionals should be talking about the procedure, and I can just hear your listeners sighing because people, um, you know. It's patently offensive to say that people use abortion as birth control. Um, people access abortion for lots of different reasons. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter what that reason is in the end because it's up to that individual person. And that government really shouldn't be interfering in those decisions. Um, I think that we should leave medical health care up to doctors, patients, their families, and their faith. You know, people think about these. Nobody wants to have an abortion. It's certainly not the easiest process to go through. But the reality is, especially low-income young people, um, people that have systemically been left out of the healthcare system because of racism, may not have access to birth control. They may not have access to timely and consistent care. We still have a problem in Florida where the government has an expanded Medicaid that would expand healthcare to more Floridians so we could prevent uh, unintended pregnancies. Expanding access to sexual health education in our schools, which our Florida legislature has clamped down on in recent years, and in particular last session made it harder for people to take um, sexual health education courses, which is even more popular um, than support for abortion. And so I think that women need to be making them, and people that can get pregnant need to be making these decisions from themselves and not others. With, re- with regard to birth control, Justice Clarence Thomas writes in a concurring opinion to the Roe ruling that he thinks the Supreme Court should reconsider Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell the rulings that now protect contraception, same-sex marriage, and same-sex relationships. Denise in Tallahassee. Go ahead, Denise. Hi. Um, I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old daughter, and I'm really worried for them that they're not going to have the same rights that I did and even my my mother did. Um as they grow up, I'm worried, you know, just as you said, uh, just as Thomas has seems to have be attacking um, contraception, too. You know, I, I, I literally Googled, can a 13-year-old get an IUD? Um, she can't. <laughs> but I'm just really worried about them. And I would, I would charge the 15, 55% of white women in this country um, who voted for Donald Trump and just tell them they need to wake up. This is them too. I know not all 55% of those women agree with this decision. And those, those votes really mattered. President Trump did appoint three justices to the Supreme Court during his term in office this more than any other issue perhaps shows uh, wherever you stand politically that elections have consequences. Uh, We're almost out of time. Laura Goodhue, your final thoughts. 
Yeah, I think what the caller just said is important to note that, you know, the right to reproductive freedom, um, right to abortion cuts across party lines. This doesn't have to be a partisan issue. And at its core, it's about opposing government interference in our personal private lives. So I think that um, a lot of people are scared and angry. I know I am. And we're going to uh, keep the conversation going uh, with calls. Laura Goodhue, Planned Parenthood. Thank you. We have to take a quick break. More of your calls in a moment here on the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Florida family owned and operated since 1936 and a proud supporter of public radio. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. Thanks for being with us. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. My co-host Tom Hudson is off this week. Lots of calls and tweets here on the show as we talk about the ruling that came down earlier this morning from the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade, ending 50 years, nearly 50 years of federal abortion rights in America. At least half the states are now expected to ban or severely limit the procedure. In Florida, a new law was passed set to take effect next month, limiting abortion to 15 weeks of pregnancy. That's being litigated. Lots of tweets. Here's one from a listener. SCOTUS has no credibility now. Unless you are willing to eliminate the death penalty, you cannot say that a 15-week fetus has the same rights as a living, breathing human. It's 305-995-1800 to get on the line with us here on the Florida Roundup. More calls in a moment, but first, Carrie Sugihara is a women's health nurse practitioner and abortion care specialist. She has practiced in states that plan to protect abortion access and those with aggressive trigger laws in place, laws that would immediately ban abortion in the wake of a ruling like today's. She joins us now with a nurse's perspective on this ruling. Kara, good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Your experience with abortion inspired you to become an abortion care nurse practitioner. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so I was actually in nursing school when I found myself pregnant, not intending to be pregnant. Um, my little blue pack of birth control pills failed me despite taking them perfectly, despite doing all the, you know, what we call quote unquote responsible thing. So I had only been with my partner then a couple of months. And on top of that, I was taking care of my mother who had a very aggressive form of cancer and was very sick. So I knew right away when I found out I was pregnant, which was very early on, that I was not prepared to be a parent because my responsibilities already lied within uh, my immediate family. Uh, keep in mind, I was not in women's health at all at that time. I was actually working in acute care and, uh, you know, went to get my procedure, was very scared beforehand. And before it started, I said, stop, because I was really nervous. And everyone in the room from the anesthesia provider to the medical assistant to the doctor all put their hands up in the air and they said, we will stop. What's going on? And I said, I need to do this. I have to do this. I'm just scared. 
And they said, okay, well, you'll, you'll be okay. And the nurse anesthetist gave me this look of like, you're going to be fine. And I know you're going to be fine. And I had a realization that all of these people came before me to make sure that I could do what I had to do to take care of my family in that moment. Even though it was a very straightforward decision for me, it was still difficult. Um, and it totally changed my trajectory in life that I became really dedicated to providing this access to other people. So I changed tracks, uh, you know, started working in gynecology and obstetrics and focused my care in abortion. Thanks for sharing your backstory. What are the health implications for overturning Roe since abortion is broadly defined as health care? I mean, I think that the previous speakers were right on the um, right on the money there, and they're saying lives are at stake because people who become pregnant are in a very medically precarious state. You know, if you have ever been pregnant, you've ever had a baby, you know how quickly things can go south with hemorrhage. You can develop high blood pressure. You can have a stroke, and Unfortunately, in this country, the risks, especially for black women, are much higher than other populations. So lives are at risk, of course. Um, you know, people are, become very socially fragile. Uh, you know, they're at risk because the risk of domestic violence increases dramatically when somebody becomes pregnant. You know, this is also an economic issue. It's a justice issue. Um, and the thing that I think about, you know, pretty pretty regularly is actually the risk of, you know, people taking things into their own hands when they become desperate to do something that they need to do, whether that's accessing abortion in an unsafe, unregulated way. And I also think about the risk of suicidality in patients, because more than once I have had a patient say to me, I will have to commit suicide if I continue this pregnancy. And the risks are very real. I mean, Someone dies by suicide in this country every 11 minutes on average. And the complication rate of an abortion is closer to 2%. And like we said earlier, about one in four women get an abortion. Honestly, it's probably closer to one in three. That's what the data suggests. But of course, it's hard to track. Um, so this is a very multifactorial issue. Um, but, the, you know, of course, the medical stakes are very, very high when people's choice is taken away. If you're just tuning in, we're spending the hour here this Friday discussing the Supreme Court ruling today that has overturned Roe versus Wade, ending 50 years of abortion rights in the United States. And you're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. Dennis on the line in Miami Shores. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Yeah, sure. What are your thoughts? Yeah, to me, the, the issue is very simple, and I disagree wholeheartedly with the Supreme Court, because to me, if a woman, a girl, is a person, then they have full personhood and full rights. If, on the other hand, you consider them a ward of the state, an object, then they don't have bodily autonomy. Then you can impose on them your culture, you can impose on them your morals, etc., I don't disagree with people who don't care for abortion, but I think if you don't care for abortion, you should not have it. You don't have the right to impose it on others. That's my take. 
Thank you, Dennis. Um, Cara, Cara, if you could, as a a nurse and an abortion care specialist, you see this issue through that same prism. You do what you do because you believe women need to have control over their bodies. I do. Um, I think that everybody should have control over their bodies. Uh, people who can get pregnant and people who can't get pregnant. Um, I don't think that we would institute any legislation against people accessing vasectomy, for example. Um, And I just want to be clear that part of my role as a nurse and a nurse practitioner is to take care of whoever is in front of me, irrespective of what they believe. And I can't tell you how many times in my, you know, over seven years of doing this, I've had a patient say to me, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in abortion, but I am here because X, Y, Z, whatever the reason is. And I tell them the same exact thing that I tell every other patient, which is, it doesn't matter what your reason is. I am here to protect your health. I am here to help you whatever you need today. 305-995-1800 across Florida as we go to Mary in Jacksonville. Hi, Mary. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was devastated to hear this news today. As a young girl, teenager, I was faced with a difficult decision and unexpected, unplanned pregnancy. And it was an abusive relationship. Um, I felt I could not dare even tell my parents, and he was threatening and everything. But anyway, it was, I had no choices. It was in the 70s, and um, I had to go somewhere else in another state and it was the most one of the most devastating things I've ever experienced it was not something that anybody really chooses to do or wants to do sometimes you don't have choices and uh, I would never want anybody else to have to go through this and I don't think people really understand some of the reasons that and things that people have to deal with, whatever they may be. And it has uh, changed most of my life, um, especially raised as a Catholic. I can't, um, I mean, I've gone to confession 100,000 million times, but I can't forgive myself. And I've, I'm still working through that. So for anybody who thinks that it's just something that people use for birth control or just take it lightly, I guarantee you that there's not a woman out there who's gone into this lightly and has had no, um, you know, issues with adjusting to it. Thank you. Mary, thank you. Excuse me. Um, I'm losing my voice a little bit. Sorry, everybody. (coughs) Kara, your thoughts about Mary's testimony. I think that, first of all, I am very sorry for Mary's heartache, which she expressed. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm thinking of you. Um, but I think that Mary raises a point of what are the barriers that people face to get an abortion? And there's a lot of barriers. <laughs> you know, some people have to travel out of state. And it's such a short sentence. Some people have to travel out of state. But my question is, how do you have a car? Are there buses where you live? 
Do you have to take a train or an Uber or Lyft? Do you have a friend who can drive you? And if your friend has to drive you, do they have somewhere to be? Like, are they scheduled to be at work in a couple of hours? And, you know, you can't stay for your appointment. Do you have to take a plane? It's a lot, you know, and because over half of people who access abortion already have children, you have to arrange for childcare. You know, and, and if you have to travel and you need childcare, where are you going to stay? Is it somewhere safe? Is it private? Is it affordable? Um, if you're a minor, you know, like, the, like Mary was saying, if you're young, it's hard if you don't have that social support with you. Um, but if you're a minor, it's that much harder. I mean, to get parental consent, or do you have to go to the court to get permission? How do you get out of school for that? It's, it is so, I mean, and forget the cost. I mean, that's going to be a whole other issue, whether your insurance covers it or doesn't, which, you know, federal, of course, federal programs do not cover it. Um, if you have to pay cash, how do you access abortion funds? All of these logistics take people an unbelievable amount of time and scrappiness and resources to navigate through. And that alone took me probably, what, a minute to get through just to, just to ask the questions. So people's lives are complicated. They're hard. Um, and so throw away the question of, you know, people take this lightly or they use it for birth control, which is medically silly to think about, but there is no straightforward day for somebody who's accessing abortion. It's, it's never going to be straightforward. It's never going to be a normal day for them. You're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. Sherry in Ponte Vedra. Go ahead, Sherry. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I am among the women who are devastated, and I'm, I think the men as well. So um, hearing Mary's call was very difficult to get through. So, um, But as a person who had two uneventful, quote-unquote, uneventful pregnancies and births, I know how life-changing, how life-altering childbirth can be it's the there, there's nothing that can impact your life more than going through a pregnancy and bearing a child giving birth to that child living with that child knowing that child exists out in the world for people to say oh you know you get pregnant and just deal with it and have the baby and give it up for adoption or whichever you know line of of commentary they want to make there's nothing that affects a person's life more than going through that experience. And, you know, like I said, mine was a good experience. I, you know, I, I have two beautiful children that I have raised, but to think that anyone would take it lightly and to think that those considerations about, you know, as the, as Kara, I think, was saying as far as the health risks, you know, throughout the pregnancy, health risks during delivery, I mean, the, the things that can go wrong during delivery, after delivery, postpartum depression. But then you have to also look at how it impacts a person's life after that, okay? Say you have an uneventful situation, you give birth, everything's great. You're still dealing with the care of a child, raising a child, producing a, a human that is, you know, uh, civic-minded and, and is a productive member of society. I mean... 
it touches every single thing, and, and there is no greater impact on a person's life, nothing that changes a person's life more than going through this. And how can a governor, a president, a senator make that decision for an individual? It just is completely infuriating to me. Thank you, Sherry. Kara, uh, uh, for those outraged by this ruling, they are concerned that women now will be forced to give birth, it will undergo forced birth if they can't access the procedure. At the same time, you counsel women on how to attend to their own reproductive care safely. Can you talk about that? So I think one of the first things that I tell patients is to be very careful about where and how they access their health information. I think one of the good and bad things about um, my field is that women are more likely to access obstetrics and gynecologic service um, first before any other specialty, before the emergency room, before um, primary care, and thus women's health and OBGYN providers are in a really uh, special place to give people accurate information. Um, so that's that's the first thing I would say is that patients should be taking care of themselves by being mindful of where they get their information. So from a trusted healthcare provider. Uh, the other thing is to be careful about looking up, um, you know, how to access abortion on the internet. I mean, to I'm not going to get into the concerns about privacy because I think that there are lawyers who could probably speak better to, better about that than I could, but there's a lot of misinformation out there about what abortion can do to you. For example, you know, there's a lot of myths that abortion will cause you to get breast cancer, that it will cause you to have depression, that it will make you infertile. And that steers people away from accessing abortion in a timely manner. And as we know, the later you wait to get an abortion, the more um, complicated it gets. So I think that you know, access is really one of the big things um, but there are a lot of amazing resources out there for anyone who's interested. Plan C pills, um, you know, log Thank on. you, Clara, so much yeah. for being with us. We have to leave it there. More to come here on the Florida Roundup. Stay with us. Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can visit 125 stores throughout Florida or shop online at abcfws.com. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. Continuing the conversation now on the stunning ruling today from the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. We want to take a closer look at the legal implications here in Florida as we welcome attorney William Hurd with the law firm of Eckert Siemens. Hurd, formerly served as Virginia Solicitor General, has argued before the Supreme Court, and he defended abortion statutes in Virginia. Mr. Hurd, thanks for joining us. Thank you for allowing me to join you. It's 305-995-1800. Uh, you know, abortion is legal in Florida. Uh, we are a receiving state. Uh, people come from across the Southeast to have the procedure done here. A law was enacted in Florida that is set to take effect next month, limiting the procedure to 15 weeks, although that is being challenged. 
Take us through what we might expect in Florida, which does have a right to privacy enshrined in the state constitution, when it comes to whether abortion access will be preserved here. How do you see this playing out in the courts? Well, as you know, a a congregation has filed a lawsuit to challenge the 15-week law based on purely Florida constitutional provisions, as well as a Florida statute the Florida Religious Freedom Restoration Act. The Florida Supreme Court will be the the final word on that case and on the terms of the Florida Constitution and what they mean uh, without regard uh, to today's decision in in Roe. That said, I do believe that the plaintiffs in that challenge uh, have a fairly steep hill to climb on both their religious claims uh, and their privacy claim. As I read the jurisprudence surrounding the Florida privacy constitutional provision, if the state asserts a compelling interest and shows that the statute is narrowly tailored to advance that interest, uh, then the statute would be upheld. In this case, uh, we can expect to see the Florida Attorney General, my prediction, would be that her office will assert that there is a compelling interest in protecting human life at the 15-week point, and that the statute which prohibits abortions past that point is narrowly tailored to achieve that objective. Kevin on the line in Jupiter, Florida. Hi, Kevin. Hello. Go ahead. Hi. I was just wondering, um, you know, if a more liberal or pro-abortion city in a uh, anti-abortion state chose not to follow these rulings, you know, how, how would it go? How, like, would they send, you know, the state uh, guard to shut down these clinics or, you know, if, if like a a state, a city government decided not to follow the state law, what would be the outcome of that? And um, I just wanted to comment that, you know, so much of this is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's fault for not retiring under Obama when she was diagnosed with cancer. Everyone wants to praise her, but this decision is a, is so much her fault for not retiring when she should have. And more people need to call her out on that and make sure justices know they need to retire when they're close to death. Because it's she just like this is the most consequential thing of her tenure on that court. It's, it's horrible. Kevin, well, Kevin it, it go ahead, a, William Hurd. It, it, Kevin, it was a 6-3 a decision, not a 5-4 decision. Uh, so if um, Justice Ginsburg had retired and had been replaced by somebody of, uh, of similar philosophical inclinations, then you would have had a 5-4 decision. But don't you think the Roberts court, while she was still on it, was like John Roberts was upholding more, you know, precedental laws while he knew he was the swing vote uh, on the court, you know, while he was there. Most things, he, I think he sided with president, but now that he knows that there's, he's not really the swing vote, I think he's, you know, voting more with his conscience rather than how he feels the judicial law should, should work. Well, you make an interesting point about the chief justice, and he today actually did not join the majority opinion. Uh, he wrote an opinion uh, that concurred in the judgment upholding the Mississippi statute, but not going so far as to overrule the the fundamental 
right to an abortion that Roe and Casey embody. Mm. He said... Sort of splitting that, the difference. Right. He said, we do not need to address that larger issue now. We only need to address whether the viability line is required by the Constitution. In his opinion, it was not. And the 15-week statute was constitutional. But getting to the caller's other question, if I might ask you, yes. he's wondering if if uh, a clinic or uh, people in a state that has banned the procedure still tries to carry out the procedure or provide access, what would we see happen? Well, that may depend upon the particular state that is involved. Uh, the the laws that that prohibit or limit abortion uh, are typically criminal statutes enforced by uh, district attorneys or state attorneys, they would be the ones to, to bring an action or in their absence, if they were to refuse to bring an action against a clinic or its doctors, then depending upon the state, the state attorney general uh, may or may not have that same authority. So there is not, not going to be any, any, any clear single answer it's going to depend upon the situation in the locality and in the state. And you're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. As we continue to take calls from across the state on the stunning ruling by the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Carol on the line in Palm Beach. Hi, Carol. Yes, good afternoon. I appreciate the time um, to express my anger, my fear and my frustration that women are now second-class citizens in this society. Um, When I was 17, I had an abortion. If I hadn't been able to find an abortion clinic, I would not be alive. Um, I would have committed suicide. And there is, you know, if you're not a woman, if you're not a female, then you should not be involved in any decision regarding my body. This shouldn't even be a constitutional issue. This is this is my body. Like somebody said earlier, you know, men can get a vasectomy. You know, if, if a woman doesn't like her pregnancy or her pregnancy isn't working for her or for, for whatever other reason, she should be able to go out and get an abortion. You know, it's 14 times as dangerous to go through a pregnancy as it is to have an abortion. There's, there's just... I'm so angry. I I had another abortion when I was my first year in college. And my then-to-be husband, you know, I didn't even hardly ask him. He was fine with it. We weren't ready to start a family, you know. And and I'm not going to go through a pregnancy to to give up a child for adoption. You know, and the Republicans would say, oh, if we had not had Roe v. Wade for 50 years, we'd have an additional 700,000 people in the workforce. And that's, you know, what they seem to want is, you know, people in the workforce, more people, but less health care. I mean, you know, people don't even have access to good health care in this country. I mean, it's 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 horrible that they want to control our lives and and not have you know services to even support those those controls. And, you know, girls should in high school be taught about contraception. You know, that stuff isn't even taught in school. And I think... And all Carol, I, I listen, I, I hate to cut you off, and I really appreciate you calling and sharing your anger and your opinion. 
but we have to cut you off because we're almost out of time. And I want to thank everyone who's called. Uh, well, only two minutes left, William Hurd. What will be the impact on the Supreme Court with this ruling? Well, the impact on the court, well, I'm sure there will be those who would want to uh, to hack the court in order to reverse the ruling. Uh, that, I think, would be a, a very difficult path for those folks to, to follow. Uh, I should point out that today's ruling does not outlaw abortion in the United States. Today's ruling only allows the states to make the decision. And in Florida, uh, under the new statute, uh, women have uh, 15 weeks uh, to make the decision and to terminate their pregnancies if they, if they so choose. Uh, that will be unsatisfactory to some. It will be satisfactory to others. It will vary from state to state. But the Supreme Court, again, has, has not outlawed abortion. It's returned the issue to, uh, to the states to make their own decisions. We need to note, too, that um, five of the six justices who voted to overturn Roe v. Wade were appointed by presidents who lost the popular vote. Well, the popular vote is, uh, is not the way we elect presidents, uh, mm-hmm. never, never has been. Uh, and of course, um, if we did elect presidents by popular vote, uh, we don't know what the vote in any of those elections would have been because candidates run their campaigns based upon the rules as they are written, not based upon the rules that uh, somebody might, might prefer. Well, I want to thank you, Attorney William Hurd, for sharing your legal insights, former Virginia Solicitor General, who has argued before the Supreme Court. Thanks for being with us here on the Florida Roundup. So much appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who gave us their opinions on this incredibly contentious issue today. That is our show, the Florida Roundup, produced by WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville and WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz and Nat Tutway are producers. Catherine Hobbs is associate producer. Director of Radio Operations and Technical Director is Peter Mertz, with engineering help from Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels, Josh Torres, and Miriam Ganas. Richard Ives answers the phones. Theme music by Aaron Lebos at AaronLebos.com. I'm Melissa Ross. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back next Friday at noon.